0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church in Canton, South Dakota. We're a church that strives to make disciples of Jesus Christ who make a difference. To learn more, visit us at cantonsdumc.org. And now, here's Pastor Clay. To honor all copyright restrictions, certain elements have been edited out of this message. Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15. I'll be reading verses 1 through 24. And these are three stories that Jesus tells about lost things being found. I'm on page uh, 105 in your Pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along with today's reading as I read from the Good News Translation. One day when many tax collectors and other outcasts came to listen to Jesus, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law started grumbling. This man welcomes outcasts and even eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. What do you do? He leaves the other 99 sheep in the pasture and goes looking for the one that got lost until he finds it. And when he finds it, he is so happy that he puts it on his shoulders and carries it back home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says to them, I am so happy I found my lost sheep. Let us celebrate. In the same way, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine respectable people who did not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one of them. What does she do? She lights a lamp and sweeps her house and looks carefully everywhere until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says to them, "'I'm so happy! I found the coin I lost! Let us celebrate!' In the same way, I tell you, the angels of God rejoice over one sinner who repents. Jesus went on to say, there once was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to him, Father, give me my share of the property now. And so the man divided his property between his two sons. After a few days, the younger son sold his part of the property and left home with the money. He went to a country far away where he wasted his money in reckless living. He spent everything he had. Then a severe famine spread over that country, and he was left without a thing. So he went to work for one of the citizens of that country, who sent him out to his farm to take care of the pigs. He wished he could fill himself with the bean pods the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything to eat. At last he came to his senses and said, All my father's hired workers have more than they can eat, and here I am about to starve. "'I will get up and go to my father and say, "'Father, I have sinned against God and against you. "'I am no longer fit to be called your son. "'Treat me as one of your hired workers.' "'So he got up and started back to his father. "'He was still a long way from home when his father saw him. "'His heart was filled with pity, "'and he ran, throwing his arms around his son and kissed him. "'Father,' the son said, "'I have sinned against God and against you. "'I am no longer fit to be called your son.' But the father called his servants, hurry, he said, bring the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger and shoes on his feet, and then go and get the prize calf and kill it and let us celebrate for the feet with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost, but now he has been found. And so the feasting began. The word of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock, and you are our redeemer, and we give you thanks for who you are as we say together, Amen. I do not know if you've ever heard of the small town in South Dakota called Cologne, but just in case you haven't, here are a few quick facts. Cologne sits on the Highway 18 corridor about 20 miles west of Gregory, South Dakota, my hometown, and according to its city website this week, it has 280 people who call that place home. Cologne was also the home of a place called Rose Manor an assisted living facility where my grandmother, Doris Lundberg, spent her twilight years. And our family's tradition was we would go to church on Sunday and then drive to Cologne and have lunch together and then go visit Grandma Doris. And because my parents are who they are and adults like to talk a lot, maybe I come by it naturally, um, these visits could take some time. And when you're a young high schooler, this necessarily isn't the place you want to spend all of your time. And so one day during these Sunday visits, I decided to go for a walk. And two of the grandsons of the woman woman that ran Rose Manor that I knew through school and wrestling decided to walk with me. And so we took off walking and talking and walking and talking and laughing and walking. And we decided to turn around only to find that we had no idea where we were. Now I know you may not believe that it's possible for someone to get lost in a town the size one-tenth of Canton, but it's possible. Because I did it. We didn't have a clue. To be completely honest with you, we were only off by a couple of blocks because how far off could we have been? We were only off by a couple of blocks, but for those couple of blocks when we did not have a clue where we were, it was scary. And like, I was the oldest person on this expedition, and so I felt this sense of responsibility. And my head was spinning, and my palms were sweating, and it was just, oof, wasn't good. then we turned the right corner and saw the big metal rose that hung on the side of Rose Manor, and we knew that we had been found. And I just got to tell you that there is something about that feeling of being found. Your head stops spinning. Your palms stop sweating. Your mind stops racing. The pit in your stomach gives way to this sense of relief and accomplishment. Although I'll be the first one to admit that getting found in Cologne, South Dakota, is not much of an accomplishment. It's more embarrassing than anything. But in Luke's gospel, in Luke's version of the gospel, Jesus is notorious for spending time with those who are lost and and giving that sense of relief. And that is exactly where Jesus is when we find him in our scripture for this morning. Jesus is spending time among those who are lost, and this causes the scribes and the Pharisees to grumble and complain again. And rather than ignore their frustrations, Jesus responds in another way that is notorious of his ministry. He responds by telling parables. Jesus responds to the frustrations of those who are around him by giving them three stories of lost things that have been found. There's a lost sheep and a lost coin and a lost son. And all of these are larger metaphors about the nature of salvation and salvation being bigger than the scribes and the Pharisees could ever imagine. But at their heart, they are stories of lost things being found and while it may seem that the stories are so similar because they all end in the same way the circumstances of both the losing and the finding are so different the sheep wandered off because sheep wander off they have agency But then the shepherd is met with this choice of leaving behind the 99 in order to find the one, or simply writing the one off as a lost cause. And logically, leaving behind 99 to find one doesn't make any sense. But oh, the joy that floods our soul when we are that one. It happens, right? Sometimes the world around us shifts and we lose our footing. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes a relationship ends and it's not our desire or our intention. And sometimes the rug gets pulled out from underneath of us and a sure thing is anything but. We end up like the sheep, helplessly lost and in need of a shepherd. The coin's a little bit different. The coin is lost because life is like that sometimes. The coin is lost without agency or malice. It ends up just getting lost. That happens to us too, right? We too get lost. And it doesn't seem like it's intentional, but we just end up drifting. And we drift for so long that our circumstances around us and our our surroundings around us get unfamiliar. And we think back and, gosh, we can't remember the last time our surroundings looked familiar. We don't know where we are. And once we're lost like that, like this is a beyond Cologne level lost, once we are irretrievably lost, it can just feel like we're gone too far. The sun is different, though. The son makes intentional choices to end up lost. He chooses to disrespect his father and ask for his inheritance. He chooses to sell everything and then leave. He chooses to leave and strike out on his own, only to learn that life is harder than he first imagined. And when being faced with the prospect of being lowlier than swine, he comes to to his senses and prepares to live life as a servant in his father's house because the idea of being a son again is just too far beyond him. It's a title he doesn't deserve. What we learn about Jesus in this passage, what we learn about Jesus in these stories, is that no matter the circumstances of how we end up being lost, No matter how long we stay lost, no matter any of the other details, Jesus wants nothing more than for lost things to be found. Lost people to be found. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that you will be. You will be found. This is the message at the heart of this song this morning that we're listening to. This song, you'll be found from Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen made its Broadway premiere in 2016, and at the Tonys of 2017, it did quite well, winning several awards, including Best Musical. A movie version was released in 2021, which is what we watched this morning, and it brought back a lot of the Broadway cast, including Evan Hansen, played by Ben Platt. And the story of the show is this. Evan Hansen is a high school senior who simultaneously struggles with anxiety and a desire to connect with those around him. His therapist instructs him to write a letter to himself every day. Dear Evan Hansen, today is going to be a good day and here's why. But he's running late one day and has to print his letter at school and it gets intercepted by someone named Connor Murphy. And for a moment, he and Connor connect as Connor signs his cast. Connor is the only person that signed his cast. And after Connor Murphy dies by suicide, people assume that Evan Hansen and Connor were friends. And so they start to reach out to him, start to connect with him, start to find him. And in a misguided attempt to connect or to comfort Connor's family, Evan pretends that he's even better friends with Connor and invents fake emails to prove their friendship. And he eventually gives a speech at a school assembly about that friendship and how much Connor meant to him and how it was, how important it was for Connor to find him. But it ends with the promise: you will be found found, just like Dear Evan Hansen was. His social capital after his viral video skyrockets, he starts dating Connor's sister, and he digs deeper and deeper into the lie. Yeah, he was found, but at what cost? And I'll leave you to speculate as to how that ends, and just, you know, it doesn't end all that great. The finding that God is talking about, the finding that Jesus is envisioning is different. Evan Hansen is found by newly formed friendships and a weird popularity, but all of Jesus' parables end with those being found by God. There is divine action, there, there is divine effort in the finding. Jesus, the good shepherd as he identifies himself, is willing to leave the 99 in order to find the one. God is willing to do the hard work of decluttering our lives, of digging into the nitty-gritty of who we are to find us in the crevice of the couch cushion next to the remote and the goldfish, or maybe that's just my house. God is willing to embarrass himself by running, which proud Jewish men in that day and age did not do. But God is willing to run to us, to meet us where we are, to wrap arms around us, to embrace us. God is willing to interrupt us in the middle of a very unprepared speech to welcome us fully back, not as servant, not as friend, but as family. In the midst of all of life, it is God who does the finding. You will be found. Whether you find yourself on the mean streets of Cologne, South Dakota, or in a wilderness created by your own mind, you will be found. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we give you be thanks for the reality of your word. And we give you thanks for your enduring presence with us in the midst of all of life, your finding love. We admit today sometimes, God, we're lost. We are lost by our own choices. We are lost by just life being like that. Maybe that's how we're here today. And so we give you thanks for the promise that we will be found. Help us to have hope in the midst of being lost. And let the rejoicing at our finding be great in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon from the Canton United Methodist Church. Join us in person or online at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning for worship. And now go in peace and serve the Lord. I want to encourage you after the message. To head over to our YouTube channel and click the subscribe button. Over on YouTube, you will find videos of our entire worship service, a video cast of our weekly Cut for Time conversation with Pastor Clay and Eric, songs from our praise band One Way Up, and a bunch of other great things as well. Just search for Canton United Methodist Church. It would mean a lot to have you subscribe.